Well, hello there, everybody. How you doing, huh? How you doing today on this beautiful autumn day here in New England? Yeah, I don't know what the weather is like where you're at, but today, oh man, it's one of those days. It's like if I could have dialed a day in, customized to myself, this would be the day. It's windy, it's sunny, it's a little bit chilly outside. The leaves are blowing around. I mean, it's gorgeous, just perfect day. And I'm sitting here in my studio early in the day. And, you know, I was listening to this show or watching this show, however you want to put it, because most of the time, um, you know, I'll be listening to something, even on YouTube or something, I'll be listening to it rather than watching it, you know, kind of like talk radio. So anyway, I'm sitting in my studio yesterday and uh, you know how when you're on YouTube and you're watching videos, it'll like automatically roll into another video. Like if you don't choose something, it'll choose for you. Um, just by happenstance, I kind of stumbled across this video series on YouTube. This uh, show it was like an architectural show. And basically what it is is like a, a new version of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous where they take you on a tour of celebrities' homes and they, you know, talk about the specific details that they had built into their homes. And, you know, it's like, you know, uh, basically just bragging about how great they have it, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and they do have it great. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, some of these celebrities that they had on there, I mean, they have like $16 million homes, you know? And um, and it was just, you know, video after video of these houses that are just out of control. It is so gorgeous and so expensive and so over the top, you know? And... You know, so much so that eventually I stopped what I was doing and I started to actually watch, you know, what these videos were showing. And it was just, oh my gosh, it just got me to thinking about, <laughs> well, naturally, right? Those shows do get you to think about your life, right? And, um, you know, I guess the first thought that came to my mind was like, you know, first of all, if I had $16 million, okay, which will never happen, but if I did, you know, I wouldn't buy, like, the stuff that they bought. <laughs> you know, my tastes are so, I don't know, um, I don't know. I wouldn't even say my, my tastes are normal. It's just like, man, I don't even know a person. I have never known a person that could afford a $16 million home. I mean, I've never known anyone who could, so I can't even relate to that. But uh, if I did have that kind of money, there is no way, you know, I would buy a, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't buy like a building and have it moved to where I want it to be. <laughs> you know, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. Uh, import marble from Italy for my kitchen you know I just I just don't come from you know 16 million dollar people like I just that's that's not where I'm from now having said that I can't 
you know, say exactly what I would spend my money on, but it's like, it got me thinking about that. And it also got me thinking about this question of like, um, you know, obviously these people who live in these, you know, $16 million homes, sometimes $30 million homes, um, you know, they've done something, uh, achieved something or done something that warrants that kind of income. Right. Um, and, uh, Kudos to them, you know, good for them that they were able to do that. But most of the people in the world don't ever do that. And um, certainly nobody that I know. So I was asking myself this question, like, you know, well, one, what do you have to do to make that kind of money in this world? You know, really, what, what kind of uh, sacrifices do you have to make and what kind of compromises do they have to make? in order to have that kind of lifestyle. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not here to judge anybody, but you know, I can't even fathom what it would be like to make that kind of money. And you know, is it more important to make a lot of money or to enjoy what you're doing with your time every day? You know, like that's a pretty big question. Like if you had to choose, would you rather be a multimillionaire and hate your work, like hate what you do to make that money? Or would you rather make a modest amount of money, but wake up every single day, you know, um, anxious to get to work? Like you just can't wait to get to work. And, you know, I guess it's not really that big of a deal, you know, but it kind of is in the sense that, you know, how we spend our time, what we spend our life doing, you know, should bring us joy and having a lot of money, I guess. Um, and I mean a lot of money. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be happier. Now, I suppose there are those people who love their work and they make millions of dollars. You know, um, and that's pretty damn cool. If you can achieve that in a lifetime, man, that's amazing. It really is. You know, unfortunately for me, <laughs> it's not happened yet. <laughs> and it probably never will. Like, I can't imagine myself coming up with something that's worth, you know, $16 million. But yeah, you never know. I won't count myself out yet, but it doesn't stop me from trying, right? Um, I do live in America. I'm an American and I'm a capitalist. You know, I see the value in that and uh, the idea of striving for more and trying to achieve as much as you can, trying to make as much money as you can and all those things. But um, for a guy like me, I've kind of had to just kind of resign myself to the notion that, you know, this is going to be a lifetime of doing what I love to do and really at the end of the day, you know, getting everything I really wished for when I was a young person starting out, I, I have achieved that. I can say that I have uh, an international audience. I make music every day, all day and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I just don't make a lot of money. So, okay. You know, the glass is half full. It's a pretty good life, but you know, I guess what I'm talking about here is like asking not just myself, but asking you 
my audience, the listeners, asking you that question. Like, what do you do all day? Like with your time, you know, how do you spend your time? And does your life and, and what you spend your time doing, does it bring you joy? I mean, are you happy with your work? Do you love the work you do? You know? Um, man, I wish I could hear your answers. Because there's so many different people, different types of people that are listening to this podcast right now, all over the world, really. Um, and everybody's different and everybody has you know, different goals and different standards. So, oh, I would love to know, does your work, your job, the thing you're doing probably right now as you're listening to this podcast, does it bring you joy? and happiness in your life? And and does it pay you well? And do you feel that you're paid fairly for what you do, what you provide to the world? Pretty good question, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. it was just, you know, in watching these people and just how over the top it was, just, oh my gosh, like I can't even, can't even imagine what my life might be like if I had $16 million to spend on a house. I mean, how much house do you need? I, I know that I don't really need that much. I don't. Um, in fact, I would say probably right now, um, I, I think anyway, I live in the probably the biggest house I've ever lived in right now. Uh, probably the nicest house too, really. But um, it's too much house sometimes. You know, it's a lot of space and a lot of <laughs> cleaning, you know, and a lot of just more room, I guess, to put your stuff, you know. And I'm in the process, at least for the past couple of years, of really trying to reduce the amount of stuff that I accumulate. It's very difficult, you know, because it's easy to get, uh, you know, more stuff you know to see something you want you get it but i'm really trying to like curb that as much as i can so this show just kind of sent my mind reeling that i was listening to on youtube just like i said story after story of these people their houses are enormous and it's like uh you know these houses are finished with you know materials and stuff that you don't get at home depot you know, you don't buy this kind of stuff at Lowe's. I mean, it's like, you know, specially ordered doorknobs, you know, from France that are, you know, $4,000 a piece. And how many doors are in this mansion? You know, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy, crazy to me. And oh, the cars too, you know, like, oh my gosh, can you imagine like how many Lamborghinis and Teslas and Rolls Royces and Bentleys do you need to feel fulfilled? I mean, they're cars, you know, it's a car. It's a vehicle to travel in. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just out of touch or I'm just uh, too white trash, you know, to get my mind around it. But you know what? If that's the case, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Anyway, so 
You know, another thing I wanted to talk about today is the drummer, the drummer from uh, Metallica, Lars Ulrich. You know, um, I hope at this point you've heard of Metallica. I hope at this point you might know who I'm talking about, um, this drummer who's been doing this music for, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years. And while that may not sound like a big deal to most people, okay, um, let me explain my point of view to you about this particular guy and what he does and, you know, being a drummer, you know, like what that means, you know, because a lot of people don't really understand the physicality of drumming, okay? It's not like playing a guitar or being a singer or playing a piano, although those have their own piccadillos. Um, being a drummer is a very physical activity, okay? You're moving your body, you know, for a long period of time, usually, especially if you play live, you know, where you're doing song after song in front of an audience day in and day out or whatever. It's physically taxing. And a lot of drummers, um, especially if they play past a certain age, um, they start to suffer serious health issues like, you know, torn rotator cuffs in their shoulders and, um, you know, tennis elbow, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, um, you know, damage to their bones and their joints and arthritis in their fingers from, you know, this process of hitting and hitting. And every time you are hitting, you know, you're impacting your body. And fortunately for me, um, even though it wasn't really something that I had planned on or I hadn't thought about, I stopped playing drums live a long time ago. So in a way, I felt bad because I was like not going to be playing live anymore. I didn't really have the desire to do that anymore. But now, like in hindsight, and this is like 20 years later, okay, um, so far I haven't suffered any kind of pain or any problems with my joints or my fingers or my shoulders or anything, my back. A lot of drummers have back problems from bad posture. And I mean, this is like serious stuff that can catch up to you, you know, as you get older and it hurts, you know, this stuff can really hurt. And fortunately for me, I kind of bypassed that and I didn't even realize I was doing that, but that is what happened. So anyway, I'm watching this interview with Lars Ulrich, the drummer from Metallica. And, you know, he's kind of talking about this very thing that I'm talking about, you know, these issues with his joints and his bones and his arms and just his physical being suffering. And he has to take with him on tour now, you know, uh, you know, a, a physical therapist and a masseuse, people to kind of keep his body um, as pain-free as possible. And I just thought to myself, you know, it's absolutely amazing, really, to me. Okay, knowing what it takes to be a Lars Ulrich behind a drum set, because their music is extremely heavy and fast. And, you know, he's an older fella now, 
He's, he's, you know, in his 60s, I think, 50s or 60s. I mean, he's an older fella. And, oh my gosh, he does this still, night after night, you know? And uh, I don't know. I guess I think he should get a little more credit for that, you know? Uh, a lot of the drummers I know admire him, and they, you know, would say the same thing I'm saying. Like, I can't believe he's still doing it. As much as he is, and as hard as he is, and as well as he is, he's still a fantastic, fantastic drummer. He's creative, he's uh, intelligent, he's savvy, you know, he's got, a, he's got all of it, you know? And um, certainly at this point, they could probably stop playing and, you know, live just fine on the money that they've made or whatever. So um, I guess that's another facet of this too, is that it's kind of cool in a way that he still wants to do it. You know, like um, it doesn't matter how much money he's made. It doesn't matter how old he is. It doesn't matter how much pain he may or may not be in. He still feels compelled to do this and to be creative in, you know, with this, this massive machine called Metallica that he's a part of, right? Um, I don't know. It's not lost on me, you know? And uh, I guess I figured it was worth talking about a little bit, you know? Like, there will be no retirement for these guys, you know? For those type of guys. Like, um, man, I hope that I'm like that, you know? I hope that I'm like that. Like, uh... This thing I've chosen to do, you know, this music thing, and even the podcasting and all that, all of it, all of it, painting, uh, all of it. I hope that when I'm like 60 or 70, if I live that long, God willing, um, that I'll still want to do it. Like I'll really, really want to spend my time even though I'm old, even though I'm tired, even though whatever, I'll still spend my time or opt to spend my time, you know, creating new music. I don't see an end in sight for me. Personally, I don't. I don't see there ever being a time where it's like, oh, my fingers hurt too bad, you know, because, you know, the way that I do things in my studio and stuff, it's pretty low impact, you know, um, Especially playing the drums, you know, it's one thing to uh, be playing night after night, you know, a two hour set of five minute songs, you know, each song is five minutes long. So do the math, you know, that's a lot of music and a lot of sweat and a lot of aggression and a lot of energy that's expelled. I, I don't have that in my life. I, you know, if I need a drum track. I want to play my drums it's usually for a shorter period of time or you know if I want to practice or something just to keep my chops you know but um you know if I get tired I can stop or if I don't want to do it anymore and I want to do something else I can stop but I couldn't imagine being the age I am and touring you know never really sleeping in my own bed and you know playing just night after night like, you would think, anyway, at least I would think that, you know, after like 20 years of that or 30 years of that, I'd be like, ah, oh, I just, my arms are going to fall off, 
you know? I can't do it anymore. So I guess I can be thankful, you know, that um, not only do I love to do what I do, but I also don't have to do a lot of things that I don't want to do. You know what I mean? I have control over my time and my schedule. And that has its ups and downs, but um, ultimately it brings me to that question, is what I'm doing with my time making me happy? And the answer is yes, it does. I think, you know, it would be nice It would be nice if the money was better, okay? Because you could always use more money. It doesn't really matter. You could always use more money. But um, there's also some merit in the idea of being happy with what you have. And I guess at the same time, being happy with what you don't have, you know? it's kind of a interesting thing to think about though, especially if you take your life seriously. Because, you know, not everybody does. You know, there's a lot of people who I think just kinda are floating through life. They just are, you know, they're hanging on, you know? And uh, maybe a lot of the time folks get stuck in a job that sucks and, you know, they have to kinda just do it because they need the money, you know? Um, And if that's the case for anybody listening to this podcast, I want you to know something, all right? My hat goes off to you, you know, because it takes a lot of will and a lot of sacrifice for yourself, you know, Uh, to do that kind of thing, to do a job you don't really like and just do it anyway. And you know what? You know what? Like, try to do it well. You know, even though you don't like it, even though it's whatever, maybe it doesn't pay so great, whatever, which would be horrible, I guess, if you had a job you didn't like and it didn't pay well. Um, but you still try anyway. You know, you still do things with love. You know, you put your, you put love into your work, even though you may not like it. You know, my hat goes off to you. K- kudos to you. I commend you for being that kind of person because in the modern world that's a pretty admirable thing you know so yeah do you agree i hope you agree hope i don't sound too kooky but you know what i don't really care if i sound kooky sorry but you know i think about stuff like that you know are you happy with the life you have am i happy yes Yes. Thank God I can say yes. You know, it's not always great. It's not always roses. You know, there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hard work. And, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, judging by some of the comments that I've been getting from people, you know, I get this kind of um, message, I guess, from my fans, you know, if you want to call them fans, that... You know, uh, they say things to me like, oh, you deserve more recognition than you get. And you should be much bigger than you are. And, um, you know, there's like a whole host of things like that that people say. And, um, 
you know, I don't really know how to feel about that. You know, um, I don't know. I guess it's like I'm not really the kind of person who's really striving for fame or anything like that. That's never really been important to me. Um, although it is nice to have people recognize what you're doing and enjoy what you're doing. That's really the point, you know, of doing any of this kind of stuff anyway. Is, uh, you know, putting something out there and having people get something from it, you know. Um, and there's also kind of like, I guess, the idea of trying to top myself, you know, always trying to get better, always, always always trying to get better no matter what it is I'm doing um, trying to make the next thing a little bit better sometimes it's hit or miss and sometimes I hit sometimes I miss but you know um, just that that process is something I enjoy you know that that kind of uh, that kind of growth is something that I kind of like enjoy you know um, do you do you enjoy that with what you do, with your work? Do you enjoy that kind of thing, like getting better at it? You know? Do you have the kind of job that you can get better at? You know? Big questions for a weary world. <laughs> Big questions, man. But uh, think about that stuff, you know? Ask yourself that question. Are you happy with what you do? Hmm. You know, recently I uh, was asked by this singer from India, actually. A singer-songwriter from India who produces her own music and everything. And she's kind of, you know, uh, pretty much doing the same thing I am. You know, she's just kind of, she just kind of keeps on trucking, you know? Like writing in the song, uh, producing it, recording it, making the video, you know, really kind of pushing. And, and she does play live and everything. And she recently contacted me through another friend of mine who's a film producer or a film director. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, she was kind of talking to me about the idea of collaborating on some music together. And, you know, this this woman from India, I got to tell you, you know, her voice, okay, is so amazing. You know, I can't believe that uh, in my lifetime, you know, uh, as a musician, I have met someone like her who can sing as well as she can. And, okay, and... She's absolutely gorgeous, too, you know? She's got, like, the whole package, man, you know? Like, for me, okay, I see that as, like, an asset, like a plus, you know? Uh, because, you know, I don't have any illusions about, like, my physical appearance, you know? And you may or may not realize it, but, you know, I have to try, like, really hard to look okay on camera, you know? And my voice, like, is not amazingly fantastic. I'm not a trained singer, you know? I'm a stylist, 
I sing the way that I can. I do the best with what I have. And um, to talk to someone and to meet someone who is, you know, like such a great singer and has the, the, the looks, the physical beauty to go with that voice. I mean, it's like the sky is the limit, man, for somebody like that, like in my book. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've watched a few of her videos and actually my wife and I were watching them together and I'm like, like, honey, you got to hear this lady's voice. You got to hear her voice. And as soon as this video starts, you know, my wife's like, oh my gosh, she's like gorgeous. I'm like, I know she's so pretty, you know, um, but what's funny is, and this is why I'm bringing it up, is like recently, uh, this friend of mine, this new friend of mine uh, from India, um, had posted something on her social media about how um, she doesn't like it when um, people notice her looks first as opposed to her talent. Like she's offended by that, you know? Well, of course, like immediately I like contacted her. Like, I hope that I've never offended you that way. Like, I hope I never have because I've told her she's gorgeous. I mean, she is, she is, but we're in a business, you know, like, yes, it's an art form and yes, it's about creativity and all those things, but let's face it. Okay. We live in a material world, right? And, you know, you could have somebody who has like, the most talent, you know, whatever. But if they don't have the whole package, it's an uphill climb, man, you know? So like when I'm talking to her about like her talent or her looks or anything like that, it's not like on a social level, okay? It's more like, it's a business, you know? And you have tools that I will never have. Like, good for you. I, you know, have no doubt in my mind that she's going to go far. Okay, if she doesn't, then there's no justice in the world. But also, too, I'm pretty sure that her and I are going to eventually collaborate on some music. Probably for a film. Probably for that friend of ours, that mutual friend that has hooked us up. And um, he's an award-winning film director, too, by the way. He's a pretty serious dude. Um, but anyway, my point is, is that I guess what I was thinking about and why I'm bringing it up is like, um, I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine people saying to me, okay. Or, uh, I can't imagine me having a problem with someone complimenting my looks <laughs> and then complimenting my music, you know, like, um, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever have that problem, you know, and uh, I laugh about it because it's like, is it actually a problem, you know, um, and, you know, OK, I won't uh, diminish the seriousness of what she was saying in her statements and stuff. But it's like, I can't imagine having that problem. <laughs> you know, I'm no bell of the ball, man, you know. I mean, I, when I make a video or something or, you know, when even when I'm singing or playing any of the instruments even or whatever, it's like uh, I do the best with what I've been given, you know, and uh, oh, 
I wish I had the looks of, you know, who? Uh, Dave Navarro, you know, from Gene's Addiction. I wish I had his hair, you know? Uh, I wish I had his build, you know? Uh, I wish I had the voice of Wayne Hussey from the Mission UK, you know? I, I don't, though. Um, you know, I, don't, I don't have any of that stuff. I don't have the hair. I don't have the looks. Uh, I don't have the voice, you know? Although I will say, you know, in defense of myself, that I think I do okay with what I've been given, but I have to laugh a little bit when I hear somebody saying like, man, I'm tired of people telling me how pretty I am. (laughs) It's like, oh, you know, I wish I had that problem. (laughs) That'll never happen, man. Not to me, no, sir. That's okay, right? It's not about, uh, it's not about how I look, you know? Well, I guess it is kind of, but I'll just try to convince myself that it's not about how I look, you know? That people really just like me and the merits of my music and all that, you know? I guess that is the case because I don't have the looks, so. Anyway, I'm going to grab a sip of my coffee here. Hang on one second. Mm-mm-mm. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, coffee. Oh, the greatest drink in the world, especially when you do a lot of talking and a lot of singing. You know, it feels good on your throat. It feels good on mine anyway. You know, I guess on another note, I can talk about um, this part of my songwriting process that you may or may not be able to relate to depending on what you make if you make music or art or videos whatever you make um i have the situation sometimes that pops up where i'll start with a song idea you know and uh i'm happy with what i have like a real simple kind of idea like i sit down with a guitar and a microphone and i just start messing around and i'll come up with something like a chord progression i like and i'll start scatting some vocals over it and i'll come up with something i like and then i go back later and i edit and i re-record things and i come up with new ideas and you know i'll get it to like a pretty good point And then I start to ask the what if question, you know, and I start to change and change and change. And this gets changed to this and the beats per minute changes and the guitar changes and distorted or clean guitar or, uh, you know, I just start going off. Right. I start adding and adding and subtracting and changing it, changing it, changing it. And then I get to this finished result that I'm not so happy with. Okay. It didn't go as well as I thought it might. I asked the what if question, I went down that path, and then I hit a dead end and I'm like, oh, this sounds terrible. And I go right back to the original idea and it sounds so much better. Like I wasted all of that time, you know, trying to chase this better idea or this better version of this song. And then, you know, days later, I realized, man, this sucks. (laughs) This is terrible, you know, and I wind up going right back to the original version. And that happened to me just this past week. You know, I did all this work on this song. Actually, it's um, it's a new version 
of the song Ignite to Light from the album Escans, uh, the PC-1 version, which is acoustic guitar based, a little bit easier on the ears, not as heavy and abrasive and loud. It's kind of subdued and quiet, but it's not ambient. It's just a song. It's just a song, a songy song, you know, guitar and vocals or something. And uh, the original version that I had released, that I did back in 2017, the, the acoustic guitar version of the song, Ignite to Light. Oh, I just wasn't happy with it. I wasn't happy with it when I did it. I wasn't happy with it when I released it. And I'm even more unhappy with it now. Of all the songs on that album, the PC-1 Escon's album, 12 songs, there's this one song that just oh, it just rubbed my rhubarb, you know, I just it just didn't work. So I kind of told myself before I released the PC One Escon's album officially on CD, which is coming up in the near future, um, that I would redo Ignite to Light. Now, at the time. Okay, I was writing the original idea. I did have two different versions of the same song. One of them was a little more um, slow. I kind of, I guess I was kind of thinking like a Jack Johnson kind of song. If you're familiar with him, like uh, on the beach at night with your friends having a barbecue, like what kind of music would you want to hear? Bam, that's what I was going for. Ignite to light, this kind of chilled out, easy kind of thing. And uh, like I said, I was unhappy with it. But this other version was a little more up-tempo, a little closer to the original version of it, which is heavy and compelling and all that. So uh, like I said, I told myself before I released the PC-1 Escon's album, I'm going to go back and redo that song. So I started to do that. I uh, loaded the session in, started to change it, and started to work on it. And I got it to a place where it was good thought it was pretty good and then I started asking what if and I started to go down that path and um, I had to revert right back you know a few days later a few days of wasted time but I'm not sure if it's actually wasted time I shouldn't say that okay it's not a waste of time to experiment and then have the experiment fail okay but uh, it is a bit frustrating sometimes because time is of the essence here you know, I have a lot of stuff to do. I don't have a lot of time to really waste on bad ideas. So, you know, here I am now, um, right back to the original version that I had, you know, the, you know, before I added all the bells and whistles. And you know what? <laughs> it sounds better. And sometimes, sometimes that's the way it goes. You know, it's it's kind of like in some ways when you do a painting, okay? Um, like you get inspired to do a painting and then you start to go with it. Like you start to go with the idea and it's just going great. Like you just can't make a mistake. But then all of a sudden you do make a mistake. And what I've learned, okay, over the course of my lifetime is that when that happens, okay, when you're working on something creative and it's going great, and then all of a sudden you make one false move, okay, it's best to not try to fix it, not overcompensate, not double down, but to walk away. And let me tell you, folks, that is invaluable 
advice for you if you've never encountered that yourself. But I would imagine at this point, most of the people who are listening can relate to what I'm talking about. Like it's better when you're creating something and you make an error, it's better to stop. Like don't overcompensate. Don't try to fix it. Stop, rinse your brushes off, (laughs) you know, wash your hands and go do something else and then come back to it later with fresh eyes in a fresh perspective. And, um, oh my gosh, the, uh, the pieces of art and music that I've destroyed (laughs) over the course of my lifetime by not heeding that advice, by like really trying to fix the mistake. It's like, ah, from my experience, don't do it. Don't do it. It's tempting. You know, you want to fix it. Just walk away. You know, do you know what I mean? So here I am uh, with this updated version, a better version of Ignite to Light. I can live with it. I'm happy with it. Hopefully you will be too. You'll be seeing a video for it shortly. Uh, So just hang on. I'm in the midst of conjuring up um, some kind of visuals for this song. Um, And uh, hopefully you'll like it. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for another heavy one coming down the pike. I got it done. It's in the can. I'm just waiting for the right day to release it. So you'll get a soft song and a heavy song at the same time, like I've explained in previous podcasts. And until then, have a good week. You know, take good care of yourselves. Try to have some fun. Try to enjoy your work. And, you know, if you do enjoy your work, try to get better at it right? Try to improve and learn more and become even better at what you're doing, right? Because that's the point. You know, the point really isn't the money, right? It's like, uh, if you have a job, you do work where you would do it for free, you just happen to get paid for it. Amen. Kudos. That's the goal. That's the, as far as I'm concerned anyway, that's the key to a happy life. And you know what? That's the truth. So until next time, folks, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. Hey there, happies. You ready for some music today to close out this Singularity podcast? Because I got a song for you today. Um, It's a song. It's a normal song, short song. It was released under the name PC1 a few years back. It's a song called Only All. And um, it's a song I liked a lot even when I recorded it. I knew that it was going to be one that I would listen to for years to come and it is it's it's one of the songs i like uh i also did a version of this song live 
there's a video for it on my YouTube channel, uh, Pipe Choir Only All Live, live ones. I did a handful of uh, songs, select songs of mine uh, live in my studio and uh, on camera. So you can watch me sing it if you want. But um, anyway, so here it is, folks, from the PC1 Wilderness album uh, originally, a song called Only All. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have a good week, everybody. And um, I'll catch you next time. Peace out. <laughs>